Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. If you need a title for this message today, it's going to be faith. It's going to be faith. Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those who come to God must believe that He is God and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I asked the Lord, I said, why does faith please you? And this is what He spoke into my spirit. He said, Gene, faith fills the gap between what's not of me and what is of me while you become more like me. Faith fills the gap of what is not of God in us and what is of God in us while we become more like him. Notice that there's a key word in that verse that says impossible. Impossible. Impossible means not capable of happening. It's just not capable of happening. Him being pleased with you is just not capable of happening without faith. It's the only place in the whole Bible where he says, this is what I'm not pleased with. And the only person he said he was pleased with was who? Jesus. Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith is believing and believing is rewarded by God. Has anybody ever been rewarded by God? Doesn't it far outweigh man's reward? Because when God rewards you, it has no curse on it. When man rewards you or promotes you, it comes with a curse. And when man is stirred up to reward you, then you've been looking unto man. You've been looking to man for the reward. So that reward is a manifestation of what you believe. It comes into existence. It comes into evidence. God is in this house. He said, Gene, there's two kinds of faith. He said, there's a faith that moves and there's a faith that rests. He said the faith that moves is a, a walk by faith. I'm walking by faith. Come here, Brother Mac. Come here, Brother Mac. I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by faith. This, oh, my this, this kind of faith moves you from this position 
to your new position. Then when you get to your new position, you rest. Oh, yes. And as you're resting, he's adding it to you. James 2.18 says, I will show you my faith by my works. Because my faith is working for me and not against me. People who don't understand faith and have not been taught how to operate in faith when they step out in faith all hell breaks loose and they think what has come against me no weapon formed against you can prosper when you're walking in faith brother turn me up just a little I need to hear now when you're resting in faith this is when you're operating through faith that's a faith that while you're waiting, Jesus is subduing through you your promise. He is subduing your the kingdoms around you that have set up those high places in your life. He is subduing the lion's mouth. He is subduing the edge of the sword. So when you've done all that you can do, stand means rest and let Jesus pass on through. And while you're resting, he is clothing you with power. He is clothing you with strength because you can't be strengthened unless he's passing through you. All the patriarchs in the Old Testament, but the anointing came on them. The strength of God came on them. But they were always weak. And out of their weakness, they were made strong by that anointing. As the Lord was ministering this message out to me, He said, Gene, you can be called and not anointed. I tell you, when he speaks, I become a child. I just get down because I don't know anything about what he's talking about. I want to listen. I want to receive as a child receives. I said, talk to me, Jesus. Tell me what this means. He said, a call is nothing more than me calling you to myself. And as I'm coming to him the more I come to him the more I'm strengthened all hell is breaking loose all around me but as I come to him I'm becoming more like him because I'm coming closer being transformed into his image and when I become one with him the anointing comes on my life. And when the word 
and the anointing become one. Power comes forth. Power comes forth from your tongue. Life is exhibited from your mouth into the spirit realm, making creation happen around you. So what is faith? There is a strong presence of God in this house. I don't know whether you feel it, but I, 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 it, it's about to put me on my knees. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The key word. There's always kingdom keys in every scripture. And that key word, Jesus, would let you see the key. And that key unlocks the power of God that's on that scripture. And when the key unlocks the power, revelation is exploded into your spirit. And complete understanding comes about that word. If you don't understand it, you can't apply it. And when the anointing's heavy, I start losing my breath. I know the Lord had me on my back for four days this week for a reason. He wanted to talk to me. We can get so busy in worship. We can get so busy in reading the word. We can get so busy in practicing. We can get so busy in fellowshipping and not hear God. He has called you to a rest. And that rest always remains for you to enter in to that rest. And you cannot hear him unless you're at rest. Substance is the key word. I said, what is substance, Lord? He said, substance is a mass that occupies space. It's impossible for you to believe something you can't see. I believe this is a chair because I see it. But I don't want to set my eyes on nothing that's temporary. Show me the substance, Lord, that's eternal. Without substance, it's blind faith. Now, if I give, grab Brother McIntosh and he's walking alongside me and we're supposedly walking in faith, but our eyes are closed, we're going to end up in the ditch. That's what religion will teach you. Go. Blind faith. Just move. Start moving. The devil wants you to fail. The Lord said substance. Here's the definition. The spiritual definition of substance. He said it's a material possession in a spiritual bank. A material possession in a spiritual bank. The only thing that has eternal substance on it is the word of God. It will not fail. 
Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So if we're hoping for something and we see it, it's no longer hope. Why do you hope for the thing that you see? That's not the definition of hope. When we believe on something that is enticed by the lust of the eye, we draw every counterfeit to us. And I'm going to tell you, the counterfeit will cause death. Some of us are in counterfeit marriages, stuck because we love God. God loves you. But you know you have to work that thing to keep it alive. You have to be constantly bringing it up out of that death state and, and, and bringing life back to it. You have to work it. Whatever is born out of your flesh, you maintain with the flesh. Flesh is our sinful desires. So whatever is born out of our sinful desires, we have to maintain with sin if we want to keep it alive. There's life on death, you know. Jesus said the devil keeps the bride at a constant fallen state, blinded by one counterfeit after another, blinded by a counterfeit friend, blinded by a counterfeit business, blinded by a counterfeit job. Each time she falls, she gets injured. She gets bruised. And when the Lord gave me that, he get, brought that vision back to me 10 years ago that he gave me. And it was that, as some of us know this story, the lady in the blue dress. We were in a religious church ministering out the life of God. And we were standing right here at the front of the pulpit. And it appeared to be a Catholic church. There's very long benches. This woman gets out the back row, all handicapped, all twisted up. She was dressed to kill. She was dressing for her bridegroom. She was dressed in a bright navy blue velour dress, covered up. And as she came out, she came out the very back row, came out. And she was making her way down, all handicapped. Going one more time to see if, if Jesus was up there. And she got halfway. She started strengthening and straightening and being made whole. I'm going to tell you it's not about man no more. It's about Christ being manifested in sanctified vessels I said Lord what did you show me he said that's my bride handicapped by religion I said what does the dress represent because it was so got my attention he said navy blue 
represents faithfulness. She's still faithful. Even though she's sitting in a dead church. Hoping to see Jesus just pass by. Pass through where she can get a glimpse of him. The Lord said the righteous fall seven times. And he lifts them back up. Seven means completion for God to perform what he had promised in your life. I said, Lord, where did this seven come from? God, don't you know our God is a numbers God? He wouldn't have put the book of numbers in the, in the Bible. He's all about numbers. He said, Gene, remember the vision of the regenerated spirit I gave you? He said, look, there's one, two, three. In the vision of the functions of the soul, he said, there's four, five, six, seven. When those seven areas are sanctified by him, he's ready to perform for you. He can't perform what he promised until you are sanctified by him in those areas of your life. And we're not the sanctifier. We keep trying to sanctify our life with relationships. We keep trying to sanctify our life with a new car. We keep trying to sanctify our life with things. And it is trespassing the temple of the bride. Abraham said, God, what you had promised, you are able to perform. Has anyone betrayed you? I'll guarantee you everybody in this room, everybody that comes into this ministry later has been betrayed. Your betrayer was part of your death process. Betrayal brings pain. Look at the betrayal that Jesus endured and the pain that came in the garden of Gethsemane. Pain is weakness leaving your body so that power can take up residency in its place. We must be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's the only way that you're going to live his life. And his life is kingdom life. And truth is revealed in every crisis. Because don't you know Judas can bring a crisis? And that Judas spirit always shows up right before promotion. And he gets right alongside of you. Truth will change your thinking. And don't you know what you think on you attract? Because your thinking releases a power out of your temple. And what it's releasing is your spirit. The Bible says, so a man thinks, so he is. It's a good way to locate where people are. You look at their life. You see what they're in bondage in. You'll know what they've been thinking about. 
renewing your mind is nothing more than changing your thinking to be in agreement with the way God thinks. Listen, God always speaks to you in your destined state, not in your present state. The trial speaks to you in your present state. God is so far ahead of us in looking at our destined state. And you know the trial is the signature of approval that you're going to get there. Because he's not going to test you if he didn't think you were capable of getting there. You see, when you think like he thinks, you attract him. You attract him to you. If God told me not to fear, I'm not going to fear. I'm going to think on success. When I think on success, I'm going to attract Jesus to me. And the closer he comes, darkness is being dispelled all around me. And that's a renewed mind. When your test comes, and scripture starts flying out of your mouth, you know that your mind has been renewed. Brother Mac, Job had some right thinking, but he had some wrong thinking too. God loved him. He said, that's my man. He is the most righteous in all the East. He loved him so much that he wanted to give him more than what he had. But something was in the way. Something was in the way. When God starts thinking about you, because there's an appointed time for his deliverance. Amen? There's an appointed time for his deliverance. When he starts thinking about you, Satan, has come your way. You see, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout all the earth to show himself strong on those who heart, whose hearts are loyal to him. You get his attention. And when you get his attention, he starts thinking about you. Job 1 says there was a man in the land of Oz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Now, when I want to, if evil was coming my way, I'm going to shun it. I'm going to submit to God and resist the devil, and he must flee. So, Job had a loyal heart. A loyal heart, God said. When God says heart, he's talking about your spirit. Job's spirit was a loyal spirit. Job 1-2 says, And he had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. And Job 1-3 says, His possessions were 7,000 sheep. Three, listen, 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels. 500 oxen, 
a very large house, a very large house, like the one Richard's going to build. And this man was the greatest of all people, the Bible says, in the East. Listen, this man was a blessed man, but he was a blessed man in bondage. What a miserable state that is. A blessed man in bondage. Job 1.6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also. I'm telling you, even when you start worshiping the Lord, Satan comes. He comes. And what he does, he follows you to accuse you. I said, Lord, everybody's name means something. My name is Charles. It means something. Your name is Charles. It means something. So what does Satan's name mean? He said, one who opposes, hater, accuser, enemy, one who resists and withstands. i tell you what, when the devil comes near and he rubs shoulder to shoulder with me, the more he rubs, if he rubs much longer, a fire is going to break out. 